Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Dennis Boudreau. He's the founder of Inclusive Communications. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Kelsey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Dennis, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, my name is Denis. Uh, I'm a um, I'm the founder of Inclusive Communication. I am the Chief Inclusion Officer uh, as well. Um, basically, what I what I do most days is I work with organizations that are doing their best to become as inclusive as possible to different uh, audiences that are normally marginalized for a bunch of different reasons. Typically, we're talking people with disabilities, people that are getting older, people that are struggling with the use of technology. And I help these organizations communicate with them in a way that will be more inclusive and will not leave as many people behind. That's roughly you know, what I do most days. And when I'm not doing that, I'm building the business so that I can do more of the previous thing that I mentioned. Interesting. So, you know, when you're talking about being more inclusive, talk to me a little bit more, you know, about what inclusive communications works to do. Right. Well, yeah, absolutely. So, so some of your listeners might be aware that there are laws out there to uh, make sure that people with disabilities are being prejudiced against when it comes to, uh, you know, how they can be uh, involved in in the workplace, how they can uh, take advantage of services and products out there on the web. For the, like, I'm mostly focused on digital, so web and native mobile is where I do most of the the work. But uh, but there are laws out there that make sure that you know these folks can still fully participate in society and, and that we're not leaving them behind by a massive use of technology that would not account for their particular needs or expectations. So uh, so one of those. I mean, I mean, all of those laws, whether it's the United States or Canada or elsewhere in the world, pretty much every, uh, every developed country has a set of guidelines, rules, or, or policies around around this, and uh, and it all goes back to a um, a set of standards at the international level called the WCAG, so Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, and pretty much every country has aligned to this as an ideal for inclusion. So what that means, for instance, on the web is someone who is blind uh, using a computer obviously cannot see what's going on on the on the screen, don't even have a need for screens to begin with or monitors to begin with, not really a use of a mouse either because pointing and clicking is kind of pointless, pun intended, if you can't see what's uh, what's going on. So they rely on other types of technologies like screen readers, software that will read information out to them, refreshable braille displays if they can actually read braille that will transform the content on the screen into little dots that they can read with their fingers. Or if you're thinking different than, than say, blind folks, uh, you know, providing captions and transcripts on, on multimedia content for folks who are deaf or thinking about different ways to organize your interface for someone who's neurodivergent, maybe maybe ADHD or learning disabilities like dyslexia or autism, uh, like autism spectrum, like all these different things, they all come with their own sets of challenges. And what I help organizations do is figure out how they can communicate while accounting for all these different situations so that they reach a broader group of people. And, you know, at the same time, not get sue, sued or, or have a fi complaint filed against them because they're going against these, these laws that exist. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell, and, you know, 
That's, that's fantastic. And, you know, the work that you're doing is so important and so impactful. And I just want to, you know, make a note that I appreciate the, the work that you're doing. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, just the one example of, you know, the closed captions, things like that to, you know, be able to assist, you know, people who may, you know, need that additional support. And, you know, in part of your talks, you talk about the JEDI framework and as being one of the ways that you're really able to further the work that you're doing. Talk to me a little bit about what that means. Well, it, it's an acronym for Justice, Equity, Diversity, Inclusion. It's one of the many plays on words around the concept of DEI, so Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. You've got a couple of others that include the letter A for accessibility. Like It, it, it goes around all these different concepts, basically. Um, and it's really this idea. I mean, I mean, you want, you want, I mean, I... I, for one, believe that this society should be inclusive of everyone. And, and you know, at the same time, there's the notion of justice through this. There's the notion of equity. There's the notion of inclusion. And there's the notion of diversity. So diversity in the sense of representation. Uh, you know, when we, when we hear about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's typically around issues related to race or religion or gender expression, that sort of thing it's rarely about disability. So that's, you know, that's where people like me come in. Like just to try and remember, like help people remember that, you know, beyond all these other really important aspects, disability is a significant one because, you know, in, again, you know, in the United States and Canada, just to name those two countries, but in the United States, 27% of the population self-identifies as having at least one disability. And in Canada, it's 22%. According to data from as early as this year for the CDC in the United States, the Center for Disease and Prevention and, and Centers for Disease and Prevention Control, something like that. And then in Canada, with the Statistics Canada, the 22%, which dates from 2018, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, recent data in, in all cases. And, and surprisingly enough, um, research shows that about only 4% of organizations, businesses out there who have a DEI framework, some kind of a you know policy around inclusion internally, only 4% of them actually account or recognize disability as being one of the protected characteristics that they, they work for. So everyone's doing race, everyone's doing gender. I mean, that's a very popular thing right now. And, you know, for good reasons, obviously, but almost no one thinks about disability. And yet it's a huge, you know, underserved, underrepresented population, both in the workplace and out there in the marketplace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of the work that you're doing is, I imagine, engaging people in conversation, you know, challenging, you know, what they're currently doing and helping them kind of grow their grow their strategy. Have you have you pursued, you know, writing any books or anything like that to continue kind of furthering that conversation? I, I actually did. So um, I don't have a copy next to me, of course, but uh, but I, I wrote, I published a book earlier this year in March called The Inclusive Speaker, uh, which is really a book for communicators in general about how, like building the business case around inclusion first and foremost, and then introducing a series of personas so that people can discover how different people with different types of disabilities experience what we deliver to them, whether you know, whether it's a speech, presentation from a from a stage or you know, through a Zoom meeting, in a business meeting, you know, internally with clients, sales pitch, whatever, like any kind of communication where you share information with a group of people, how those who have disabilities will perceive this differently than you know typical people would, let's say. And and what you can do to involve them into that conversation. So roughly that's what the book is about. There, there's over, I, I lost count, over 200 different tips in there that, that sort of speaks to these different disabilities 
it's built around eight different personas. So you you sort of walk through the book with them and you you see things through their lens. All of that being uh, you know supported by research because I did a lot of interviews with folks with disabilities to really get a sense of what they were experiencing and you know what their pet peeves were, that sort of thing. And then the entire thing uh, the, the entire thing leads into the last section of the book, which is a bit of a framework to uh, to become more inclusive as a speaker yourself, as a communicator yourself. So going through five different stages that bring you from you know being someone very instinctive about how you present to someone being very inclusive about you, how you present. So that that's what the book is about in a nutshell. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, doing interviews, you know, engaging with people, you know, having that conversation. So for businesses or, you know, entrepreneurs, CEOs, you know, are kind of our listener base that we tend to have, what advice would you give them, you know, if they're just starting their journey towards being more, um, you know, inclusive and diverse in the workplace? I think the very first uh, advice I would give them is to reach out to people who have disabilities in their own organizations. Um, like I, as I was saying, I mean, 27% of the population in the States, 22% in Canada, you obviously have people in your own organization that have disabilities. Chances are most of them are not disclosing because 80% of disabilities are in fact invisible. I mean, it's very easy for you to notice someone who's blind or someone who's deaf, someone in a wheelchair for a, like those are, are very, very visual, uh, so obvious. But everything else we don't really see. And most people are not going to disclose because they don't feel that this is a safe environment for them to do so. So starting to build a relationship internally around or a conversation around, you know, inclusion, diversity, equity, and try to create a, a, a you know, an environment where people feel a bit more safe to disclose these things so that you can learn from them. Because you know, way before you hire someone like me to help you, you need to understand where you're at in terms of an organization. And there's no one in a better position than those who work with you for you already. So that, that's my number one advice. I mean, just, just try to get a lay of the land in your own space. And then, and then just look at some very basic things that you can you can check on your website, for instance. Um, you can try to use your website without your 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 um, your mouse, like just using your keyboard, using your tab key, your arrow keys, your your return key, or your space bar. Can you navigate through pretty much every every single element of your website? And if you can't there's likely a lot of really significant issues for anyone who uses the web differently than, you know, the paradigm of the mouse itself. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking someone who might have limitations like mobility limitations, and, and it's harder to use the mouse, maybe someone who can't see, someone who has arthritis, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, or, or any other types of assistive technologies that we don't really think about um, that are going to depend on the keyboard as a foundation. So you know, just that, just just trying that out, see how that works on your own website is usually very high opening, and um, and yeah, talking to your people and trying to learn from them what you know what works and what doesn't work, and then once you have an idea of that, you know, someone like me will come in and then we'll help you make sense of all the information and build a plan towards more inclusion. That's fantastic. And, you know, I think that, like you said, kind of engaging people in that conversation is the first step, because I think that, you know, assuming that you may know what people in your organization want, need, are looking for can honestly be just as difficult as pretending that, you know, there, there isn't an issue. Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, you're, you're very right in, in thinking that. Um, I mean, most people, you know, the, 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 the main, the most the most common mistake I'd say that I that I see in organizations is that 
people are just going to say, hey, we need to do this. And then they'll send out a survey, for instance, and say, hey, we're trying to do this thing here with, with inclusion. Let us know if you have a disability. And, you know, nothing has ever been discussed about that before. And, you know, people have been working there for years and they've been very successful at, at you know, masking uh, that, that disability. And all of a sudden they're being asked to out themselves. So let, nobody does that really. So, so, you know, the survey goes out and very little, very few people will, will answer it. And then people get the, like lead, the leaders will get the results back and you just conclude, oh, we don't really have anyone here, so we don't need to do anything about it. And then they'll just move on to the next thing that they have on their agenda and uh, thinking that they did the right thing and that, you know, they did their due diligence, but how it's perceived is very different. I mean, those who have those disabilities, because, you know, just again, I was talking about, you know, 22% of Canadians and 27% of Americans, but other research shows that around 20% of the workforce and 20% of the population identifies on the spectrum of neurodiversity also. So again, I mean, you have those folks internally, and those are the folks who are typically very hard to notice as being disabled because it doesn't necessarily show when, you know, in their behaviors. They are These behaviors are typically, you know, misconstrued as something else. I mean, someone is scattered, someone is, you know, lazy, someone is this or that, and, and people are, are very quick to judge on those different things. So long story short is the leaders are, are sending that survey and then they don't, they don't get any significant feedback from it. So they move on to something else. But from the perspective of those who have those disabilities, that 20% say, let's be conservative here. So it's 15 to 20% of, of your, your workforce that identifies as such and have not dared to come out, come forward with that up until that point. What they saw was a very awkward attempt at reaching out and then there was no follow-up, nothing. So they conclude that they were completely right not to say anything because now they can keep masking and not have the fear of being prejudiced against or have any kind of stigma. And it just reinforces the feeling that, you know, this place is not really accommodating for me. And, and you know, they don't, they don't really feel like they, they're loyal to you because they don't feel like you have your back, you, they're their back. As opposed to, like I was saying, start begin by starting that conversation where you give, you give, you give a lot of you know of your time, a lot of energy, resources to creating this environment where people feel safe, and then at some point you ask that question, like, do you have a disability? Do you identify as such? And then you can learn from the, from that. And and very naturally, I mean, th those in that group who are more naturally inclined to act as leaders will emerge and they'll start talking to you. And if you show that you are actually paying attention to what they're saying, and then you're, you're acting on what you know, the conversation brings, then you'll start building the credibility that you need in order to be able to build this. Until that point, you know, it's just like it's, it's, it doesn't lead to anything significant. And what it does for the most part is just build a lot of sarcasm internally around your failed attempts at, at trying to be more inclusive. So it's, it's really a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say that you have to see how much people care um, before they're able to, you know, really open up. So knowing that it's mm -hmm. not just like you said, it's not just going to be another survey, another like, all right, check that off the box where, you know, we're inclusive, you know, we, we tried. Um, so, you know, like you said, kind of engaging people in that conversation. I think that's terrific. And you know, as founder of Inclusive Communications, talk to me a little bit about the growth that you've seen kind of from day one up until up until now. So so it's a it's a long journey for me. Um, I 
I started the business in 1999. So it's it, actually, it, it just, it was just 24 years, uh, a couple of days ago, because I, I founded it in October of 1999. Um, so I began this way before these accessibility standards were known, not that they're known that much today, really, but I mean, they're a lot more known than they used to be. And, and before most uh, countries had even laws or, or even, you know, a perspective on these things. So the growth was very, very slow at the beginning. And um, I come from a web development web slash web design background. So I did a lot of web design and, and, and development over the years. And eventually started focusing, some, focusing more and more on this accessibility piece, this, this inclusion piece. So the growth was, was on a very long, uh, very long term really. Um, and the way that it happened for the most part was as businesses were receiving complaints from clients and the media was starting to cover different, different cases like these that were more popular than others, typically with you know, very large American businesses, uh, most of which were either in retail or education, you know, banking, that sort of thing. It became something that people were hearing about more. And then in Canada, because I'm, I'm based in Montreal, I'm based in Canada. So in 2005, um, Ontario adopted a law called the, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, the AODA. And then that law was, the the, the entire purpose of that law was that the, the province would be completely accessible, inclusive as of 20, 2025, you know, 14 months from now. Um, and, and while that sounds, that seemed like, a long, long time in the future, 20 years ago, we're, we're getting there and, you know, the province is nowhere near where it was hoping it would be. And and other provinces have followed suit since then. Uh, most provinces today have some kind of a disposition around, around inclusion uh, from a legal standpoint. So does the United States. So through that, the company grew because more and more people are either hearing about but these complaints from for for their competitors and they don't want that for themselves so they want to be proactive about it and others are on the receiving end of a complaint or a, or a lawsuit and they need to figure out how to get out of that so both are bringing you know both are bringing opportunities to to my business in terms of how they can be helped in that sense and what i do for the most part is relief really training coaching consulting uh, now like for the last couple of years, it's been what I've been focused on. Um, so it's really about education. It's really about helping them understand and strategize around what, where they are, where they want to be, where they need to, because those are not necessarily the same thing, at least in their heads, and then trying to get them on that roadmap so that they can eventually you know, meet those goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, you're talking about the, the Providence specifically. So do you tend to see trends in industries and size companies and verticals that you work with with at inclusive communications or does it run the whole gamut? A little bit of everything. I mean, at the end of the day, whether you're in banking or retail or, uh, you know, uh, any other area really or vertical, you most likely have a website. You most likely communicate with your your target market, your audience. So, and, and the challenges are all pretty much the same. It all, it, like I said at the beginning, it, still, it all goes back to this set of standards at the international level. So regardless of you know, your vertical, you still need to put images on your website that need to be read by people who are 
that seen by people who are blind, you still need to create you know, call to action on, on your website buttons and other links and stuff that can be used without a mouse. So like all these things are the, are very similar. So most of what we do, of course, I mean, when we're strategizing with them, you know, their context matters more. But when we're being tactical about what needs to be done, then you know, running an assessment on their website and trying to figure out where the, the low hanging fruits are, where the bigger gaps are, you know, this is pretty much always the same, regardless of what their vertical is. Interesting. Well, you know, this has been a terrific conversation. As we start to wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with, whether it be about inclusive communication, you know, about DEI, anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Um, well, I mean, since you're offering, I, I, I would absolutely love for people to get a copy of my book. So again, the inclusive speaker, it's on Amazon, uh, both as a Kindle or a um, printed version. So it's right there for everyone to pick. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, your own journey or, or, or relationship with inclusion, like I said, just just reach out to uh, to folks, try to have a conversation internally, see what you find with that. And if you have five minutes of your time, just try using your website with your keyboard only, not your mouse and see how good or bad of an experience that is. Because most organizations out there, they spend a ton of money on their uh, quality assurance people to make sure that the site works great. And it does. I mean, most people are you know, pretty happy with the website that they have, or at least they were at some point when, they, when it was redesigned. Um, and everything is tested thoroughly. But when you move away from that mouse and you use the paradigm of the keyboard, which is still millions of people out there that rely on that, you realize that actually that is completely broken and it doesn't work at all. You know, a lot of websites, I'm not going to say most websites, but, you know, a lot of them, uh, you know, you can't even pass their, their main menu because that menu doesn't open up. Like the different panels that open up, they don't even react to anything but a mouse over. So you just can't even get through the website, uh, which is a pretty significant barrier. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, just take a look at, you know, from an accessibility standpoint, what does your site look like from a keyboard navigation uh, angle? See what you find and, uh, you know, reach out if there's anything that you think you could be helped with. And where can I reach out to to learn more? So uh, the website is inclusive.ca. That's I-N-K-L-U-S-I-V dot C-A. You can reach me at info at inklusiv.ca. And uh, yeah, a couple of social media links uh, related to, uh, to to that that brand. Um, and LinkedIn, Denis Boudreau on LinkedIn. So D-E-N-I-S-B-O-U-D-R-E-A-U on uh, LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, Denis, this is a terrific conversation. I appreciate all of your insights engaging, you know, not only companies, but also, you know, our, our podcast listeners with, with, you know, DEI conversations, how to be more inclusive. I like the little tips and tricks that you gave. The keyboard navigation is a great way, you know, a first step for, for people to take away from this episode. So I think this was a terrific conversation. I really appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, have great, a good day. great to have you. Hey. Are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.